Hey there, Ghosties. It's episode 91 of the Ghost Lights Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. Today's guest is Jason Maxwell. Just completed the Maxwell Slam over at Miner's Alley Playhouse. And he's on to bigger and better things in terms of... He's getting married. This is my bachelor gift to him. So clap it up. Like, subscribe. As we discuss our careers, the symmetry to that, our fantasy baseball obsessions... And uh, maybe this, uh, maybe we, maybe we get a little blue here every once in a while, but it's, it's all okay. It's all in good fun. I want to remind you that we still have a Il Fuminati six happening June 10th through the 11th at the Savoy Theater in downtown Denver, over there in Rhino. So please get your tickets to that ASAP, and also get your tickets to the Public Domain Theater Festival that the Catamounts, Bunport, and Sutiatra Theater Companies are putting on. We are now in Westminster through 10th, 11th, and 12th, and again, 17th, 18th, and 19th at the Westminster um, Transit Depot. So please get those tickets ASAP. Um, they are going to go fast. And Dan, give us War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. What's the uh, score in the Avs game, Dan? It's one nothing still. It's still in the, uh, the first intermission. That's great. I would like to interject them every once in a while. Welcome back, Ghosties. It's episode 91 of the Ghost Lights Podcast. We are tripping ever so closely to episode 100. We hope to have you all with us for the entire journey. We're hoping to have a special event as we get up towards that. So if you want to see us live and maybe get the Denver Actors Fund involved, start tweeting at us now. Start sending messages to your boy, John Moore. Start encouraging us to do this because the only thing that's holding me back from maybe doing like hot dogs or having a food truck drive up or something is the fact that I'll do this and no one will be there. I'm really self-conscious. Maybe we cut that intro, but anyway. <laughs> no, or no. We just keep it keep going. It, keep we'll it. just keep it going. Um, the voice that you're hearing here is a longtime friend, um, a, a compatriot in artistry. We've done a handful of shows together. We are now, I am now a company member of the company that he's been a part of, the Catamounts, for a very long time. Jason Maxwell's in the house, everybody. Hi, Jason. Hey, buddy. How's it going? I'm very well, thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here the day after a cast party. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you can hear it in my voice maybe a little. Maybe. When you were at the cast party and you said, Sam is going to have whiskey for me at the podcast oh, no, I, I, next I, day? I, yeah, I, I mentioned, I don't know if I told many of the people in the cast I was coming on the pod, uh, but... Um, I I had mezcal. Oh yeah, you did. And Which it was a healthy pour. Yeah. And then I had Proud of I mixed that with like some some weird grapefruit drink that had vodka. Ooh. Yeah, so I mixed vodka and mezcal and oh. then another I think I had a beer at the towards the end of the night. And uh Deanna, my fiance, was super proud of me when I went to work this morning <laughs> instead of calling in. So. Hey, I'm proud of you. You, yeah. you, uh, you, sir, have been uh, you've been grinding your butt off. Yeah, you've been. It, it's it's been really cool to see. Like I, I bust your chops whenever I'm bartending up there. But the uh, I'm calling it the Maxwell Slam. 
Is that what you, did you coin it? Yeah. Because John McCain last night at the yeah. party goes, you know, we're calling what you you did here the Maxwell Slam. It's the Maxwell Slam. It reminded me totally of honored. a Grand Slam. Yeah. And then Tim said that's the Tiger Slam because the two shows were the four shows were split over the course of one or two, over two seasons. Yeah. You bookended one and then you then you bookend the other, and so and we can't call it the Tiger Slam because that's Tiger Woods' slam. Yeah. Um. Uh, for those of you who don't know what a Tiger Slam is, it's totally fine. You're living your life to the best of your abilities <laughs> and no judgments. But th- for the sake of this story, I was like, oh, my God, four straight shows at the same theater. That's really fucking impressive. We can't call it the Tiger Slam. We're calling it the Maxwell Slam. Slam. It's impressive, but it's there's still quite a few people, artists in this town, that have worked from January th- to December. Oh, yeah. I'm not... And, 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 uh, and I'm not saying I don't want to discount what I did, but it's not it's not on par with some of the incredible hard work put in by a lot of directors and actors out there oh, yeah. who, you know, put 20,000 miles on their car in, in one year because, yes. because they were doing yes. a show in Breckenridge and then they came down and did a show at Vintage and, mm-hmm. then, and then they went out and did a show at Creed. Uh, Creed. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know. There's people out there that are that are that are running on their own slams, and so shout outs to them. But yeah. I do want to say but thank you, congratulations, thank Jason. you so much. This is the, do you get like a little time for yourself oh, now? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm or, not. I I I when when I told Deanna I was going to audition for um, Blue Ridge, mm-hmm. and and I had been in three shows and hadn't seen a whole lot of her. Um, she was like, well, yeah, go for it. And she was super supportive. But if I were to come to her now and say, hey, um, Curious just called or yeah. whoever, and they have a cool script. I actually just read it, and it's got this part that's just incredible for me. Uh, can, I'm not can, you know. I, I'm I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to do it. Uh, th- you know, she might throw me against the wall. No, she wouldn't. But she like, could. Still, t- she could yeah. totally take you, though. Yeah, she could. She could. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she could take me. She she's a bad woman. She's uh, she's a good woman. She's a good she's woman. She's super strong. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Win, yeah, win, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, really, <laughs> really, just uh, it, it probably wouldn't go over too well because we talked. I told her I was going to take a break. Yeah, I told her that. Yeah. Well, you've also got some some pretty you know awesome events coming up. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've got to get ready for the wedding. So yeah. Yeah. I got to get my, my body ready for the wedding. I got to get it in shape. Let's work out together. All right. I want, I'm want. i ready to lose some pounds. Let's fucking go. The shedding for the wedding, bud. Shed for the wedding. Yeah. Shed for the wedding. I've wed- got a beer belly. I have a dad bod. I do. I was looking at I was doing some sh- shenanigans in the dressing room. I was. <laughs> oh, no. And I had, I had, you were doing shenanigans I was, backstage? Yeah, I was doing shenanigans backstage, and Chris Berghoff uh, decided to record it. Because he's like, oh, this is funny. Look at you, look at Jason. Did, did he post and it online? He didn't post it online, but you could ask him. He'll show you the video. Chris Berghoff, but please I post said, it online. I said, I'm like, I, I'm, he, I went and I looked at the video and I started laughing. And I was like, oh my god, my body, my body. Look at it was my, a wonderland. Look, look at it. It was, it was also the happened to be the position I was holding myself in. I was wearing. Oh yeah. I was wearing an A line, which by the way. That's what they're called, A-line shirts. Oh, they're, they're not, not 
they're not, not called tank tops. Or they're the not called thing. the WBs. Yeah, we're not. We're we don't not, call no, them that. We don't watch Warner Brothers. No, we don't, don't watch worry, Warner Brothers. We don't call them the WBs anymore. No. I actually learned that uh, when There's I was no dancing frogs when I was cast in and and Marina. Oh, good. She, I can't, I can't pronounce what? her last name. Amarina. She, she does a lot of stuff with the, the Denver Center. And okay. Was a costume. A frame. Yeah. She Did told me about A frame. Yeah. And I, and I said, A frame. She goes, Yeah. You never heard of A frame? I said, No. I always call them the WBs. Mm. No, no, no. She's don't like, do Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. So I don't do that anymore. Yeah. A line shirt, and it was pulled down over my skivvies, mm. and I was crouched, really weird, mm-hmm. and. So I don't call Irish car bombs Irish car bombs anymore. I just call them cream drops. I mean, I could go in a lot of different directions with cream drops, man. Uh, you know, it reminds me the all the, the many directions that Jason could go down right now. Hey, um, I'm a versatile dude. Uh, yes, you are. Uh, when we, I, my first in a theater production where they paid me money to act inside of the theater was the old vintage well not not the old the the second rendition of vintage theater in its history off of high street and 17th um connected to a bar that did not take cash yeah that was weird what vine, the vine the vine street pub yeah right yeah isn't that what it was called before yeah. it was called the, the uh the checks or credit cards or no, mate. They didn't take credit cards. They only took checks and cash. It was they were ahead of their time. They it's were everywhere now. It's everywhere now. Yeah. yeah. Um, Turn to the mountain, some, some mountain something brewery. Mountain Sun, which is yeah. Uh, yeah. it's Boulder. Sorry, burping. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Boulder, if from Boulder, Mountain Sun was first in Boulder. I think. Oh, okay. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. right, right there on uh, Broadway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to my Jason Maxwell story. Um, after I name dropped Old Seventeenth Street. So we're, we're doing vintage theater. We're doing Romeo and Juliet. That's right. And my favorite moment in the play that did not involve me, <laughs> um, Jason is on stage by himself, checking his feet. Remember, remember though, you gotta you gotta set it up. I was checking my feet, but it was the introduction to Peter's character and Rob Kramer. Yeah, gave me this space. He said, "I'm just gonna let you go. Come on, do whatever let Jason does." And let Jason Maxwell. Cook. And he. Uh, once once I did what I did, he put it to the, the tune of that uh, Bare Naked Ladies song oh, about the right. monkeys, right? Remember? Oh, yeah. yeah. Where the, the start is like, <laughs> or whatever. And I'm coming out, and yeah. I'm just like this total weirdo yeah. who takes off my shoe, <laughs> removes my sock, mm-hmm. and sticks my nose in between my big toe and the toe next to it. What's the toe next to it called? Um, the, the big toe next to the. It's not. Is it the index toe? I they guess it's the it. index it's not toe. Not the index toe. Um, tweet us the your. Middle toe? Yeah, tweet, tweet us your. What yeah, is that called? At Ghost Lights One. What is the toe next to your big toe? My dad just had that toe chopped off. That is that is not where I wanted this conversation to go. I'm sorry. Um, so the story I wanted to tell. Um, Jason comes out on stage. And sniffs his foot, and he removes his shoe and his sock, and then he sniffs his foot. And the joy, it's the joy that you had mm-hmm. at smelling your own foot. And I was backstage looking at you going like, I don't think I could, I don't think I've got that range in me. <laughs> I, w- I was like, I am watching a master at comedy. Thanks, man. And I was, this was like my first show in Denver. I was like, I'll never be able to top that. And then we went to the bar next door. One night, just me and you, uh-huh. 
and we and I tried to have a long conversation to you about like dirty things because I I was I'm still I'm still very much an immature child, and I don't know things about how the world works and how bodies work, or how anything works. And you're like, no, I'm not going to talk to you about that. And now we can't get through a conversation without you talking about grundles and baby teeth. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I oh, love no, the it's growth. It's true. It's true. It is. There's a lot of growth. There's a lot of growth that's happened. Yeah. And no, I remember uh, people pe- people really enjoyed that moment in oh, Romeo man. and Juliet. It wasn't yeah. scripted. It was something that totally. No. It was to. It was to let you the audience upon know. Shakespeare. It was let. Yeah. I, come on now. Yeah. It was to let the audience know <laughs> that here is a, an idiot. this man is going to be the idiot in the rest of the show so keep your eye on him because you'll laugh and 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 i and and yeah just being able to to smell your own toe and then i had like the i still remember the sound i made yeah do it give it to us that is the sound it is the sound god damn it that took me that back. I am back. backstage. I remember being backstage, just I, peering at you through the through the curtain. In that narrow studio apartment, they called the theater. Yeah, man. Oh I man, got some good memories of that place. Right. The yeah. ba- the basement. The basement being body shaved by the artistic I director. I of can't. The basement. I can't remember who told me this, but way back before that space was ever a theater, it was a nightclub. Could you imagine oh the things God. that the, happened in the, that basement? The, the debauchery in that basement? Yeah, it I, had to have just been unreal. I'm, I'm terrified. Yeah. Some stories on those walls down there. There are stories in those walls. You know, remember when, when Vintage decided they were moving, we were like, a bunch of us were like, let's save the bricks. Let's get the bricks. Like we were going to somehow, so instead of saving the bricks, I think someone just went through with a, with a, um, with a, with a camera because remember everyone had signed them um no one invited me to this you you never signed the no. bricks down in the, ba- in I the heard dressing they were rooms moving? of vintage no no come on yes you did no, i did everyone did you you know you did no, no. say you didn't no i didn't sign anything everyone in that wall there. would do the same thing that they do at my at, last at show there was you know. a black eye <laughs> <laughs> they shoved all of this hair into three different wigs. I got body shamed and couldn't wait for closing night. Like, no, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> oh, let's complain about things. Let's complain about things. Let's, right? let's go sneak in there right now. Let's do and it. Write our names. Candy on the doesn't wall. taste the same anymore. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Yeah. Anyway, no, I'm no, I'm about to turn uh, 42. So. When, my body's breaking here? down. I got plantar fasciitis. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. So I'm in the mood to complain. Well, driving here. Let the, yeah, you're, you're driving like, here. The, the 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 way people drive on the highways. Oh, it's terrible. Get out of here. It's terrible. I was trying I to go can't. up to Boulder for these I, these shows that the at the Public Domain Theater Festival that the Catamounts, Bunport, and Sioux Theatre Theater Companies have combined to put on for all of you. Our first weekend was in Bol- in Boulder. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, no one knows how to drive on Highway 36. No. It is infuriating. 95 miles an hour in the left lane, and they just whip right by you. Oh, yeah. If if, if you don't curse, something's wrong with you. Yeah. No, I mean, your life is... Your life is on a on a razor's edge on Highway 36. Yeah, at all times. Mm-hmm. I 72. Yeah, 
especially in that part where the construction where you're not supposed to change lanes, where it's a solid white lane and it's going zigging. Well, that's what that means. I just thought that meant there was a slalom course. You son of a gun! I don't change lanes during those lanes because I'm terrified. They're even no, but let me narrower. ask you, how was your opening weekend? You talked about it a little bit. How, oh, yeah. how did it go? Oh, man, I thought the audience has really enjoyed it. It's always tough for me to gauge how I'm doing when it's like direct address for the vast majority of the time you're speaking, mm-hmm. as opposed to like a conversation on stage. So balancing the overacting, I feel like I need to do to project. Got to project outdoors. Yeah, so I do, I do this overacting thing. I project kind of like when I'm hosting a podcast. And then I try really hard to make whatever it is that comes out of my mouth turn into a conversation. And there's a there's a fine line to to walk there that I don't know if I've mastered yet. I feel good about the work. I feel good about the the work that Colleen and Joan are doing on stage with me. Um, and what's the, what's the let me ask you a question. What's the yes, what's the tastiest words for you and everything you've memorized? Is it your own mm-hmm. words, or is it the words of Dorothy Parker and Ernest Hemingway? Oh, I mean Dorothy Parker is. But bar none, one of the best poets I've ever read. Still, isn't Still. it something nice about yeah. saying your own material in but, front of people? But it's my lines. It's the lines that I yeah, say. At those the top are the tastiest because, ones. Yeah, because like those are the ones where I'm like, hey, um, we're talking about this um, this classic form of literature that I had to read in high school, and I hated it then, and I didn't know why, and I'm 38 now, and I think I have a pretty good beat on it. I think I have a pretty good beat on it. You're a good poet. Well, thank you. I, I, I was say great poet because the the James Brunt oh man he's my last guess the way, the way he opened Act Two in mm. One Way Back Day was so so good and everyone in the audience you could feel that they were connected and they you could feel the energy it was so amazing and then the question on everyone's lips was who wrote that nice well thank you very much yeah thank you man. I appreciate that. It it's solid stuff, man. And I, 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 I like we're gonna keep doing this stuff. Like, I write and I act. Yeah. You write and you act, and we're just happen to be members of a company yeah. that totally promotes writing and acting amongst their members. So let's write the next great Catamounts play. What, what should it be about? Um, we could r- probably make it about fantasy baseball at this point. No, no. It could be about fantasy sports. It could be about fantasy. It could be sports. an absurd comedy about fantasy sports and, and about how it is just a fantasy for so many people and you're you totally tune out to the real world when you're involved i mean the, if let's you're just listening pitch it let's pitch it to amanda right now you know right. she's gonna listen to this i hope she does yeah she will it's it's a possibility that she doesn't she's busy. we could pitch it right now we're like hey let's do a a, a, a musical adaptation oh. of something oh that's where you lose me jason oh no, that's where but you, the kids catamounts they gotta have some movement some song well we can I'm not do saying that they got to. we can totally no we could do dancing and movement yeah, and dancing movement doesn't need to be a musical because I can't sing and neither can you. Well, no, I mean, no, actually you can. I can sing. I forgot. I can. You can sing. sing. Can a lot sing. of people didn't know you can sing, but you can. Well, I mean, they don't follow me every time I go to a karaoke bar. When do you go to a karaoke bar? Um, I mean, I invited you to mine when yeah, I was hosting. Yeah, but that a long was out in freaking Arvada. Yeah, it was. It you was couldn't in drink. You couldn't drink. You wanted to drink. You want to go to Wrigley's? I mean, together. Wrigley's is a great. Dan, have you been to Wrigley's? We were there together no, two weeks ago. Know. Yeah, I know. You yeah. want to go again? When? That's also far away. It's in Golden. I live in Denver. Man, you live in Arvada, don't you? You, you Denver ass loving, um, dude. I I think I th- I think I speak for every introvert in the world right now when I say 
The pandemic gave me permission to stay the hell home. Yeah. So if it ain't if it ain't paying me, karaoke's never. If paid. I don't have the potential no. to cuddle after, karaoke will never be the same. I mean, I didn't think. Oh about, no, no. I didn't think about it too much because some people pointed out that Wrigley's might be a uh, a tea bar. Oh no! It certainly you is. Certainly think it oh, is. Oh, it's okay. Absolutely, well, no one wiping bar. off the microphones after we said no. And and, and, there, and, and so so the difference there is that that's a tea bar, yeah. and then there are bars where you go to where the the microphone is literally stored in a vat of of sanitizer, and you just lift it out, you wipe it off, and then you stick it back in the vat of sanitizer. I'm amazed that, I'm, that obviously microphone I'm, works. I'm exaggerating. To- totally. Um, I we walked into Wrigley's off of um, let's see Colfax in Golden, so right by the uh, Lowe's that's out there. Eh, kind of close. It, it's close. It's nearby. It's in. The, there's a uh, subway. It's. I think you mean it. Home Depot, but so the the bar is called Wrigley's. I walk in. I order a shot and a beer, and above the cashier's station <laughs> is a sign that says, "We beat COVID." <laughs> I did not notice that sign. And I saw that sign. And I was like, "That's why everyone was talking about you." It. Probably were a super spreader bar. <laughs> and the, I, the Blackhawks are playing. Come the, on down. The, the Blackhawks are no, playing. No, no. Hey, hey, hey yeah. let's not disparage them. The I love Hawks. Wrigley's. No, I, that bar is a sweet ass bar. If anyone it, at Wrigley's they, to this setup, podcast, I'm doing great right now. Yeah, you are. I am. Oh, you never Keep know. Going. Keep you going. just never know. The Wrigley's is a phenomenal bar with a really great staff. Timmy. I called her Tommy at first. Timmy's the lady that runs it, mm-hmm. and she is really warm and and welcoming. Yep. And their karaoke setup is hands down one of my favorite that I've been to. It's because a solid. It's a it's long a solid bar. Place. You can yeah. see everyone that's yep. in the room. There's no, you know, the the ambience does not leave anything to be desired. It's yeah. it's it's a nice, comfortable environment. And for people who like to smoke cigarettes, and if you like to smoke, wonderful patio up you can, back. You can go like. Yeah, you can you can smoke if you smoke. Um, you can do that at any bar. It just means you have to walk a little further. At um, Wrigley's, you don't have to walk as far. Got to walk as far. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so that that's it for Wrigley's. Yeah, that's it. Brought to you by <laughs> <laughs> the Ghost Lights Podcast. So, Jason, yeah, theater, yeah. How did it happen to you? Thanks for asking. It's kind of in, the whole point of this thing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's a good question. I'm glad you asked it, folks. Uh, so I had an elective to take when I was a senior in high school. Me too. And my mom mentioned, why don't you try theater? And I think the only reason she asked was because I used to, I remember specifically the moment I knew I could um, act. And it was, I did a, a Steve Urkel impersonation. And I used oh, to wear hit it with I used right to now. wear sweatpants all the time. Same. Growing up, so I got made fun of a lot. But same. So there's a difference between people laughing at you and people laughing with you. And once I realized the difference was me controlling that, mm. then I started really wanting to do it more. So I sort of became a goof off in class. But I remember Fourth of July, we're all doing fireworks, setting off fireworks and stuff at uh, uh, Webster Lake area. I had some friends. Um, growing up and we hung out thank you buddy mm-hmm. we hung out in webster lake and they would light off the fireworks above the lake and we're all sitting around doing the tiny little fireworks and someone asked me oh jason do your urkel 
So I suddenly had an audience, and this was the first time I ever had an audience for mm -hmm. doing anything. And I kind of got nervous, but I knew I could do it. And so, of course, I was wearing my sweatpants. I wore sweatpants all the of time. Course. So you just jacked those sweatpants up around your armpits. Yep. I had glasses already, the really nerdy kind. Mm -hmm. You know, I put those down on my nose and the tip of my nose. Mm -hmm. And you know, I held, held my hands like this. Yeah. And then I just, I put, I you know, I pushed them up. The glasses. Uh, the glasses. Pushed the glasses way up into my forehead. Mm -hmm. And and you know, <laughs> and you know, did the snort and then did I do that? I can't, you know, my yeah. voice hurts. Anyway, voice is a little ragged. When I was little, yeah, this was like, this was like 13 years old. Okay. When I was little, I could do the high pitched. Mm -hmm. you know, Did I do that? That's Basically, yeah. that's really good. Thank you. I was gonna say prepubescent, but I know you've been through puberty, so. I, I can only hope. Yeah, but that was good. Thank you. I can't. My voice can't get there just well, because of the. It's the Blue Ridge scream was dude. You you had to go it through. Took it out of me. Yeah, it took it out of me. four days a week doing that scream. I got you, fam. Don't worry about that. It was hard to support it because I was laying on the ground. Oh yeah. You know. That's a tough scene, though. It was. And to motivate through that. I don't want to. I don't want to skip ahead. But no. So that's but we'll how it happened there. for me. That's how it happened for me. Mm -hmm. Is that my mom knew that I could do impersonations, and so if you got a kid who can do impersonations and make people laugh, then maybe encourage them to do theater. Mm. And so it was like, hey, go do theater. I kind of wish that I had made those, con connected the dots earlier, because I would have applied myself more in high school and gotten better grades, so I could have gone to a, a really good school, which not to say Red Rocks Community College isn't great. Brought to you by Red Rocks <laughs> Community College. No, uh, uh, so that, yeah, that was where I ended up going. Um, but. So uh, she said, take a, take a high school theater class. I did. First day of class, the theater instructor was awesome. Heather Landris says to everyone in class, first day of class, I want you to take two minutes to think about a story that happened to you over the summer. Okay. And think about it and then tell us the story. That was it. First day of class. So I go up. And I worked with my dad as an electrician's apprentice. Mm. And I was like, this story's great. So I thought of it, and then I proceeded to tell the whole class the story of when I was my dad's electrician's apprentice. My dad gave me an extension cord. He said, go plug this in. I went wandering around. Not you know, necessarily wandering. I went looking everywhere for an outlet. Well, on a big job site, all the outlets are at a premium. You got outlet extensions, you got power packs everywhere. Well, I needed to plug it in so my dad could do his work. So being a young teenager, I simply took one of the things that was plugged in and unplugged it and plugged my own extension cord in. Okay. Mm -hmm. Started walking back to where my dad was working on site. And all of a sudden I hear this, the fuck <laughs> and i was like oh no so i go and it's it's the flooring guy he was laying tile and he had a floodlight set up in a dark room doing his tile and i suddenly when you're laying flooring and you're left in the dark immediately he was this 
angry little man. You know, most flooring people are small. I bet it's easier on their bodies. Easier on their bodies. Yeah. Much easier on their bodies and their knees. They're closer to the ground, mm-hmm. so they work with yeah. the ground. My mom had her whole kitchen redone. Mm-hmm. The guy that redid the tiling on her floor, because we pulled up the floor, because yeah. it was so rotted and uneven underneath where the washer was. Mm-hmm. This is a this is great podcast talk, Sam. Oh, I love it. Anyway, he was like five foot three. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a. Pr- I mean, and have you ever seen a six foot seven dude who's like, "I'll go to do your flooring"? Um, yeah, yeah. Me and Sam doing my flooring. Yeah, me and me and six foot seven. <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm six, six foot two. Yeah. Dan is a solid six foot five. Yeah, but see, that's that's do it yourself. You're not hiring a professional. You hire a professional. He shows up and he's like, "Yes, hey." Yeah. Anyway. That's why we like easy <laughs> insert laminates. Easy insert laminates. Yeah, we don't. We're not trying to. Anyway, keep going. Um. So what the yeah. fuck? So he screams. Yes. And I enacted this whole. Obviously, I was. I grew up at a Christian school, so I didn't say what he said. I just, you know, I yeah. screamed. Really funny, and the whole class is laughing. And I was like, you know, that was this that that happened to me. So then I had to go and unplug the own thing, and mm-hmm. he plugged his back in, and I got a I got a real chastising. So that was the story I told in the audiences and audience. The class was mm-hmm. in stitches. Yeah. And I was like, I could do this. And so from that point on, it was just growing from there. Nice. Being a storyteller and um, diving deep into who I am. Mm. And I didn't really, truly accomplish what I needed to do as an actor and, and get comfortable with myself until I took a... Um, acting workshop with Talk a man to me about named this workshop. Bill Howie. He's kind of famous in some circles. Uh, he he t- taught in L.A. Rest in peace, by the way. He recently passed on, so, so that's to Bill. pour out a little bit of whiskey for Bill. There you go. Not on the stage. Not on the stage, but mm. he taught me to be happy and content with who I am as a person and yeah. who I am as a performer, and he has a book called The Actor's Menu. Actors menu. The actors menu. Okay, I can loan it to you sometime if you want to. That would be great. It's yeah, good I'd love reading. To check it out. Um, and he basically tells you that you've got things in your back pocket. Like Sam, you know that you have this in your menu. Yeah. You know this is what you do well. Yeah. But is that just dessert or is it the appetizer or what is it? Like you got things that you do as the main course. And so when you get a main course as an actor, you can either focus on that main course. So say your best dish is serving up something like. Like what we did in um, Ten Pin Alley, where it's so over the top farce, that's and that's like that's what you get cast as all the time, and that's so you need to learn that you stadium don't, you don't right just there. have yeah that's did Sta- you say stadium nachos stadium that, nachos that performance of stadium nachos <laughs> so if you just do stadium nachos really well yeah. and you're doing that all the time and all the time and all the time then you need to figure out what it is that about you that's doing just that and then you do a workshop and you get to explore and do all these other things Mm -hmm. so he found in me jason's really good at this and this and this and then he'd be like let's find something he's not good at Mm -hmm. and let's let's work him into like romantic scenes and that's something i had had a lot of experience with so there were i remember three separate instances in workshop where i was put in a situation where I was going to be romantic with someone mm-hmm. and have it be serious. But that was the thing. In class, I come, and that was like the growth of me as an actor all really happened when I accepted that my instincts 
are what I need to trust mm-hmm. when I'm in when I'm in a scene. And your scene work and how you feel and think about a scene, normally the first time you read it, those first thoughts you have about the scene you're reading are normally the the best ones. Mm-hmm. So I trusted so much more in myself after kind of finishing that workshop with him. And then he moved to Arizona and I, I kind of lost touch with him. But yeah. he, he was really instrumental in, in getting me to relax and, and just be at home mm. with, with who I am physically and um, mentally, the things that I think are funny that, yeah, that's how it really happened. It, it, it started in high school. It, obviously, you know, my, my work in Colorado really hinged on my um, development at Evergreen Players. Mm. I met Len and Lisa there. I met Craig Bond there. And through meeting them at that spot is when I started getting work down in town. Mm-hmm. When Craig started doing vintage stuff, I started doing vintage. Yeah. I was able to work and kind of grow up there with vintage for a while. And, you know, Len and Lisa, I I started working. I did some sh- some shows with them. And then I started getting, when, once I got cast at Vintage, I met Rob Kramer. Yeah. Rob Kramer cast me at Miner's Alley. Once I started working at Miner's Alley, I met Rick Bernstein. Rick Bernstein cast me and then cast me here right down the the hallway at the the little theater the plus mm-hmm. is it still called the plus still called the plus. i call it the plus which is the plus definitely not what you should call it no. there's two s's yeah that means it would be a longer plus sound yeah. but anyway so getting cast at, the, at there with rick got me to work at the victorian working at the victorian was when rick from the oh, edge the rick yukonis damn it i love the vic yeah the vic man god rest its soul hell yeah uh Oh, I feel sad now. Such a great space. That it was, was turned, a great space, wasn't turned it? Turned into what? A massage parlor? No. Office studios? I what mean, is it? Did it get leveled? Who so knows what it is now? The anyway. house is still standing. The house. They turned ma- the yeah, basement. Well, it's a historic house. They turned the basement into a movie theater, the person that bought it. And then. What, for like, like Halo tournaments? I guess, yeah. I mean, land parties and stuff. But eventually, they. I think they. This is the last thing I heard. The plan was the owner wanted that to be his. his his rumpus room like i'm gonna have an in-house theater and then they got downstairs and they started working on it and it was too much work and they just scrapped it and it turned into a basement yeah man lame lame Weak so sense. lame because there's so much life that oh my God. happened so much i saw the last show so that the, they awesome put on at the vic three times i saw it opening night i saw it um and then saw it twice it's closing weekend um, and it started Brian Landis Falcons, Jim Hunt, Josh Hartwell. That was the first time I met Josh Hartwell. Wow. Josh Hartwell played a character that was just passed out drunk at the bar. It's a really cool cast. Oh my God. It was great cast. Jim Hunt as a bad guy. Yeah. Like the leader of like this Irish mob. Isn't that the field? You're talking about the field, right? Yeah, the field. Oh my God. I love that show. It's where I met Lauren Mayer and uh who's one of the best stage managers I ever worked with before I started working with like the likes of Rick Morales and Wayne Breyer. I want yeah. to make sure I said his name right. I believe it's pronounced Wanye. Wanye. It is Wanye. Um, and 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 I mean the list goes on, obviously. But like, yeah, like that 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 space was important. It was. It's an important, it important. piece of, of Colorado's theater. And I mean, shoot, you you bring talk about this up. We got to bring up. We have to have Wade on the podcast. Oh, now. Wade for sure. Yeah. Talk about a, a cool cast. I was in Creation of the World and Other Business that Rick Bernstein directed. You got my Chris part. Kendall. Chris Kendall was God. 
You got the part I was supposed to get. Oh, really? Yeah, you were. You did. Well, if I hadn't have gotten that, I might not have been noticed by Rick Iconis, and the Rick Iconis remembered me because when The Edge did their first show, Laura, well, Laura Lounge totally, like, helped push Shout him that Laura. direction. Shout yeah. out to Laura. Uh, totally helped push him in that direction. Nice. And then, you know, gave Laura the, the initial directed the, the thing and said, hey, um, I want to cast Jason as Raul. The, the rapist in the in the extremities yeah, which yeah. was our very first show mm -hmm. and rick was like really jason which i love so much i absolutely fucking love it when directors and actors think of me in a role and go really really him yeah. and then that's when that's when the pitch comes down the plate and oh, I, yeah. I know it's a yeah. fastball up and in, right in that speed and spot. I turn on it, yeah, yeah, and I fucking knock it out of the That's park. That's a bad flip right there for sure. So, extremities was a bad mm. flip. It was something that not a lot of people saw, but you know who did see it? Amanda Berg Wilson. So, when I met her because Sonia Jessel Ellis, shout out to Sonia. Sonia was in that show and perfectly cast. We all had such a great time, and it was the last thing that uh, Jessica Cato was in. Oh. Jessica Cato, shout out to Jessica, who works very closely with the SCFD. Mm. And it's so cool that she was in, the, in that show and that we needed someone. And I was like, you know what? I know Jessica. And she's kind of been, but she was so perfect for that role. Mm. The motherly roommate. That, oh, you know, yeah. She did great. Yeah, yeah. But, and then Catamounts had an audition for God's Ear. And Sonia had mentioned, you know, we should have Jason audition. And once again, I'm pretty sure the 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 stain of of my character was still kind of in Amanda's head mm -hmm. from that show. It's like red wine. Uh huh. Yeah, and Amanda was like, "Really?" <laughs> and then I come and audition. I, I get cast in God's Ear, and then Catamounts has been like a major part of my life yeah. ever since. Um, well, Three Faces of Doctor Crippen was awesome, but it was a feed event that did it. Where I was just like, I want to work with Catamounts way more closely. I want to uh, be, I want to be on board. Whatever this train is, yeah. I'm moving my luggage in, and we're going places. That's how. Uh, that's how it happened. Nice. Yeah. You talked. To, I'm, I'm going to backtrack a little uh -huh. bit. So you talked about that experience being in front of your classmates, talking about making them laugh, and then we jump to this working with somebody that helps you like really kind of get a better understanding of who you are and know what it is that you bring to the table yeah for dinner to extend the metaphor a little bit more at what point did you feel a a need to shift away from just making people laugh is that something that is still always in the back of your mind how do i make a moment funny these are a lot of questions, so please take your time with them. Because I just got done teaching an improv class, mm -hmm. and to to a student, they shut themselves down when they don't think it's funny. Yeah. And I and I I did and I was like I keep I, I told them it's like one of the best improv things I've ever seen was a funeral, and yeah. no one cracked a joke for twenty minutes. For twenty minutes, I watched a funeral on stage. They did a they did a long form improv thing. Someone said funeral, and it started with a joke that didn't land, and they all just said yes to the joke not landing, 
And for 20 minutes, they talked about this person dead. That was fiction. and it was beautiful. totally fictional. Yeah, it's totally fictional, totally beautiful. I mean, one of the, pe- the the person that was having the funeral had died was a member of the group, and he was like, "I guess I'll just be the dead body." And that was the biggest laugh they got for twenty minutes. Was when the biggest guy in the group just like, "Oh," went out to center stage and fell on his back and just was like this for twenty minutes, <laughs> a log on the floor for twenty <laughs> minutes, and him getting into that position was the biggest laugh they got. And so I tried telling them that story. And then, of course, that was like the second day of class, and they still couldn't shake this, I got to make people laugh all the time. Did you feel that being a thing for you? Or were you just more apt to figure out what well, no, it was it, that performing is? Oh, it's funny because you, you learn you learn that in monologue work. Mm-hmm. You get a good acting coach, which, which shout out to another name. I'm just name dropping like hell. Let's do it. Tupper Coem really yes up big tuppy yeah. he helped develop some monologues that i used for auditioning at um the denver center for for their their big generals their generals yeah and this one he gave me was pretty serious but funny but includes the c word and okay. in an audition room that's bold choice mm-hmm. uh because it the name well, it's that, jarring it's jarring yeah but I learned this monologue, and I used it in generals, and I've used it in, in other settings, too. It's from Moon Children. Have either of you ever seen that? No. Or, or read it? It's this really interesting play about hippies, and there's a character that lives like either underneath or nearby them, and he's weird. Weird as all get out, and that was the thing. I knew I could play weird, but I didn't know I could play weird without being funny. Mm. So... This monologue from Moon Children I got that I learned, and uh, that was that was one of the ones that that helped me really dive into being able to be serious and be good mm-hmm. because you have to be serious and be good when you're doing a monologue that's yeah. serious because that's your only chance, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got cast in Br- Brilliant Traces, and I did a monologue for Christopher Leo. Here's another name drop. I'm sorry, I do it all. Th- if I'm talking about my life in theater, it's I got cast in Arcadia, and I did a monologue from Brilliant Traces to get cast in that. Yeah. And Arcadia was a very, very serious role. I, oh I yeah. A smaller part, but it was still all serious. It, it yeah. was funny. My character was funny in moments, but it was. I had got cast in that. Uh, at Evergreen. Mm-hmm. And played opposite Lisa DeCaro. And the only reason I was cast in Brilliant Traces is because I was able to nail a moment of sadness Mm. in the audition. And doing that when you're used to always being funny, you you have to trust your your own stillness and the stillness of the scene. You Do can't, there, there's something that's naturally vulnerable when we as actors trust the silence and, and don't, and give in to the stillness and give in to the silence. And that's all I did during this audition. There was a big moment where I needed to be emotional. And if you let the energy of that scene take over instead of whatever else might be going on in your brain plus you you mean and it, it helped that the person i was auditioning with was also a good actress mm. you know gave you something to gave play me with, something yeah. and brought an energy into the room mm-hmm. 
But when that happens, and then you just lean in, anyone can be dramatic. It's That was the other thing about the actor's menu. Anyone on earth is able to convey every emotion that any writer ever writes about. And it's not that, like, I don't necessarily, like, I don't really, like, get into character. I just... What do you mean by that? I, I, I just go with the emotions that are on the page and let those sort of, like... I'll just ride those waves. I know which emotion it is, mm. but when it's time to go on stage, I just sort of lock into that first initial emotion. Mm. And once you're with the initial emotion, since you've rehearsed it already, you're able to tune up and tune down and ride those waves that you've memorized in your body. And you're able to work through all of the emotions mm. without actually sitting alone, feeling like, you know, and everyone's got their own process. Oh, I'm totally. not saying, yeah. But that's sort of just what I do. I, I like to I like to just ride an emotion that's the beginning. As long as I can, if if is if I can't get into the emotion, excuse me, if I can't get yeah. into the emotion of like the opening scene, mm -hmm. of whatever I need, if I can't just do that and just drop into it, then yeah, the, the, there's some things that have to happen prior to the show happening. Like I would just pace nervously mm -hmm. before Shakespeare. I could not just drop in to Shakespeare. I would pace and hum. What do you, what do you think were your roadblocks that, there? My roadblocks with Shakespeare are that it's it's so, it's an unnatural way for, for me to speak, mm. for all of us anymore, right? But, it, that's, I mean, I don't do a lot of Shakespeare. This is so going all the way back to college, yeah. to when I was the Duke. The Duke. It's pronounced Duke. Duke, yes. A liquid you. It is liquid. Oh. Speaking of liquid, guys. Yeah. Appreciate the beer and appreciate the Jango. Yeah. The, today's unofficial sponsor is Odell Brewing Company's Tree Shaker Tangerine IPA and a little Jameson Irish whiskey. The Irish. That's right. Um, anyway, so that, that liquid you. So it was the it was so the, the way in which you were having to speak. The, presenter the way I was block. having to speak and the, the amount of dialogue that I had that Back then, obviously, I mean, this is 20 years ago. Mm. And I would just hum songs to myself and pace back and forth because it made me feel dukish. Mm -hmm. and, and I had my cape on and I was just walking with purpose and authority back and forth. And then that was sort of how I felt most comfortable getting into that and i imagine if you cast me in something shakespeare nowadays i would do the if, if it was i would probably do something similar unless i was playing the idiot mm. then i would just i mean from romeo and juliet i can't tell yeah. you i i i would i remember it was such a small role but i remember sitting at michelle grimes feet because she was playing lady lady capulet yeah yeah and and yeah, the Montagues Peter, were the Peter, brown guys. Yeah. Yeah. And Robert Kramer was very specific about very that. Very specific. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember I would have not a whole lot else to do, but I felt to get into that imp idiot sort of role, <laughs> I would I would just basically sit at Michelle Grimes' feet sometimes mm -hmm. before shows and stuff and while we're getting ready. Uh, just just because I felt like that was comfortable for me. So it just kind of depends and varies. If there's a, if, if, if I'm supposed to be a certain way around someone all mm -hmm. the time, mm -hmm. I kind of will tap into that off stage. Oh. A little. It, it, some yeah. people would call me 
somewhat of, of a method actor. I think there's a little bit of method involved when, when you feel such a strong tendency to behave a certain way around someone. And this, a lot of this goes with um, Shakespeare and drama. Mm. Because again, for me, it's, it's not as easy to just drop into that. And yeah. So I feel like it helps a little if I do something that I normally wouldn't do you know, around to like loosen around myself up and get into to loosen it. myself up and sort of get used to behaving a certain way, even mm-hmm. when you're not under the lights. Mm-hmm. And that's helped in the past, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things that I've always noticed about what your work kind of entails, like for me, when on the, on the outside perspective, there's this. I find there's this this natural quality to just kind of find the. I would say innocence of a character, like because that's what when I when I think back to the character that was smelling his feet and I'm looking at it from, it was such an innocent expression of joy. It was like the one thing that that guy could always control. And and sometimes, sometimes it is something as simple as. Like to me, that's like oh that guy just as long as he can love himself, he's fine. And then that kind of opens up the door to the rest of the character for the course of that show. Now, can I pinpoint a specific moment from our first time working together outside of that? Not necessarily, no. I think, I think there's like an altercation that me and you, that you and I are involved in mm-hmm. later on in the show. Anyway, it, go, it goes deeper than that. You have this, you, Jason Maxwell, have this quality to tap into this innocence quality to each and every single one of your characters. Um, when we did Crucible recently, as part of your Maxwell Slam, um, the character had this superseding desire to fulfill his duties. And whether that's steered by fear or a, a sincere desire to be good at their job is kind of beside the point. The fact that you... Like no, the job has to be done. I will, I will do this job. That, and the struggle that comes out through your character in that, despite any other choices you make in a specific moment, really kind of flesh out the, the how much you've grown. I think because I would say what your main course is is a humanistic quality. And you find what makes every single character that you've played a human. And so what is that? Is it a frailty? Is it, um, they, they go back to a colloquialism? Is it a physical gesture? I, I, I see that through line in terms of how you put on for a character. And it's interesting to hear like the, the many branches that your career has kind of taken and, what led to this and what's led to that. And then from that, how the actor and his craft has kind of evolved from there as well. Like you've had, in my opinion, one of the most consistent and also unique careers in town of over the course of my career. Yeah. So when I look at people that when I'm when I'm measuring myself, I'm always clocking what Jason Maxwell's doing. 
because there is a consistency factor which speaks to success and i and i and the thing that i attach to is like ah he found another thing that he can tap into the humanistic side of somebody thank you for pointing that out that's yeah very remarkable compliment i appreciate it it's the truth though because it's what i try to do with every script that you ever study and every role that you ever do nice is when you're vulnerable in it and this is something that I was taught. This is what I learned. Mm-hmm. When you're vulnerable in the moments, you read the script a different way because you read the script and you say humanistic. You read the script. I read scripts and I think about how a line should sound, mm. how a line needs to sound. I love, love saying and repeating a word all the time to myself and then finding a way that it should sound to make it human, mm-hmm. to make it relatable, to strip that line down and make it completely vulnerable for anyone to access. Yeah. And that comes from what I learned about script study and what I learned about just going with your instincts mm-hmm. and just having an ear. Like that's what, what I really love, love and would like to do more directing is because I have a good ear and I like, I like, I like zhuzhing up a moment to to take it and flip it around and if an actor keeps saying a line a certain way be like okay well okay I want you to say the line like you like you just or you're just relaxing on the beach and then I'll hear that and I'm like okay now do the exact same thing but punch up the word and mm-hmm. or whatever it's I think it's just attributes to having an ear for what I think sounds natural and what I know what I know makes it accessible. Well, I think one of the things that you you're, you're touching on is there's a mathematical quality to all art. For sure. There's an equation to all art that allows it to be accessible to an audience. Yeah. So sometimes it's a combination of colors. It's a line. It's 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 the void. Like if you're looking at a canvas, what's not filled in with color and line or structure? And when you're talking about a stage, like a performance on stage with lines, there is space from there. Like there's there's something that they connect to. There's a voice that they will gravitate towards more naturally, whether it's a principal character or or not. And then, of course, there's a there's a measurement to a punchline. There is a, a timing that is taken into effect. And all of those numbers bear out, depending on the quality of the script, the actor's ability to be in the moment with the material and to understand it. Because, I mean, I think me and you both would acknowledge that the vast majority of comedy comes from a place of truth. Absolutely. So when you are talking about saying a line over and over and over again, I think that what I hear is, I'm trying to find the way to say this the most authentically. Mm-hmm. What makes me connect to that line more? Is it saying it like this or is it saying it like this? Yeah. Right? No, oh, yeah. If As long as you're connecting to the material, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. That is really all that matters because once you as an actor connect to, a mater- to the material, if you're doing your job right and you've done your research and you have your lines memorized... 
You gotta have them fucking memorized. Really? Like in your bones. Come on. That's like that, that. That's just one of the things. I can. And a lot of people, I can write the script on my hand, can I? No, man. No. A lot of it, it, it's it's astonishing to me. Can stage managers feed me the me, line? Right. No. So once that's in your body, and you are able to work and mold the, the mm. that piece of clay however your body wants to and you're mm. connected to it and you're vulnerable big key big key big key you're gonna be a good actor yeah it just can't you can't help but people will watch you people will dive into your story they'll listen more intently mm. you know when you're sitting and watching something or you know when you go to see a stand-up comedian you know when that stand-up comedian is invested in their material another wonderful form of art that I t truly admire mm. is the ability of stand-up comedians, no matter what mood they're in or what happened during their day or whatever, they have that hour-long set. Some of them are able to vamp here and go there and do a different direction, yeah. but for the most part, that tight hour-long is something they've memorized. Yeah. So they're just performing, but it's all true mm -hmm. for the most part. It's yeah. real to them. Yeah. Whereas me playing a character from something that someone else wrote 20, 30, 400 years ago, whatever, mm. has absolutely no truth to me whatsoever. Mm. So that's what I like the most about writing and about performing your own material, which mm. is why I asked you that question about it's so much better, even though Dorothy Parker's lines are delicious oh, and beautiful. Ernest Hemingway is beautiful. gorgeous. Yeah. To an extent. To an extent. Mm -hmm. Saying your own words four people is the most vulnerable you can be and then having them and then being subjected to their reaction is the most vulnerable you can be because their reaction can sometimes really hurt oh or it can make you sore are you kidding me it can make I mean, you sore like that's the other thing it goes back to writing your own material it goes back to like being a stand-up comedian that feeling they said there's no greater high you can inject your body with whatever you want you can smoke whatever you want mm. nothing makes you feel as good as working a bit and tearing a house down. Oh. There's yeah. no greater high in the world. There's a power there. There's a power, there's a power. There's there. no that's greater high in the world. And that's what I... Sometimes that's, that's the what greatest I, aphrodisiac. Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to be glib and and make it, you know, carnal for a joke's sake. It's, I mean, there is something about that feeling when you are standing in front of a room full of people saying something and they're they're laughing their ass off. That's a control. Because now I wait for that laughter to subside, and then I hit him again with something. And the thing that sucks is we're all starved for it. Every because single of person the in the world yeah. wants attention. Well, it's the we all want attention. The pandemic is. I don't made want to mention worse. the pan. Yeah, I don't want your podcast to get flagged as having. You know what happens on Sp yeah, Spotify yeah, and other fine. places? It's they fine. flag it for containing the word pandemic so yeah because god forbid we talk about it yeah no 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 but i'm saying it like but i know uh, i know why we're all so starved i have a feeling that there's going to be as long as it sort of eases the rains if they kind of let the rains go it's not going to go away i know it's not but it Let's sucks for it sucks for artists who live on that and, yeah. and dwell on that because we all need it and we want it to come we want live theater come roaring back and we want all of that audiences back from everywhere yeah and it's 
It doesn't feel like it's happening at the speed that we want it, does it? Of course not. No. Nothing ever does. No. It's, I mean, me and you have been privy to a couple of, I mean, to a couple of situations. Yeah, being on a of, golf course performing was something else. Well, man. I would do that again in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. That's, it's a manageable crowd. And the numbers never have to get more than ten to twelve people. Dan was in the That's house cool. that night. Long, cool long live the catamounts. No, long, I don't want more. I'm just cheers. You've got a lot in there, so I'm, I do I'm, have a lot. I'm in not going to try and give you any more than this. Dan, bring your glass over here. Let's make sure love, to timestamp this moment while I'm pouring, so we don't have this in the pod. Glug, glug, glug. Glug, right. glug, glug. There well, now I have to actually edit this thing. Well, that's fine. It's not like you got anything to do tomorrow. The Avs don't play. By the way, what's the score? Yeah, what is the score? Uh, we just went down four to two. No! And then immediately scored a goal. It is Isn't currently, that the way this... It's three to four right now. This with series... Te- with half a third oh, period oh. left. Three oh, to four. Oh, my God. This series has really been going like that. I watched game one, and I couldn't and believe... It was like immediately the abs would just <laughs> come down and score. 20 seconds after amazing. getting... I tell the you, first yeah. game one was some of the most awesome hockey I've watched. Eight to which, six? Are you kidding me? Which you cannot take what happened on the ice game one and translate it to football. Because I agree with... I listen to the Bill Burr podcast all the time. Yeah. Bill he Burr? absolutely fucking hates when football games turn into what happened with the Chiefs and the Bills oh, in the playoffs. Yeah. That was trash football. Sure. It was trash refereeing. It was not the kind of football I like to watch, and I really, really am worried about the future of the NFL because that's the direction they're pushing it in. It really is. They want they seventy-two. Want they want seventy-two to fifty-six every game because that um, sells not tickets. Necessarily. Oh, we not can necessarily. go down this whole. We can totally, we can totally debate this for wanna, another. Let's not go there. For, for a completely different podcast, but I also want to stress. Podcast. I want to stress that what the NFL wants. They will never attain because before they get there, they will destroy themselves. Yeah. Much like any government, mm-hmm. any solid group of people, I don't, and I don't even mean solid in terms of quality of their humanity and their morality, any group of people, in order to accomplish what they want, must destroy too much of themselves in order to get there. The NFL will never attain what it wants. The NBA will never attain what it wants. The Colorado Theater Guild will never attain what it really wants because in order to get there, you just you got to eat yourself up. We ourselves, as, as, as an artist, right, we are trying so hard to get, to, like, I mean, I remember I have great conversations with Kevin Lowry when we were traveling to Vermont to do um, bag, um, Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo. Yeah. And we were talking about the idea of a perfect performance. Perfection. Oh. That is, is that a, attainable? This is a very interesting no. How much work can we get? To, how much work do we have to do f- per moment, per line, per word to get to flawlessness? And the thing that I think me and him both have kind of encountered and we kept coming up against in those moments was the the variable of who we are yeah humans aren't perfect no yeah exactly we are yeah. we are and flawed creatures so, and it's very subjective as to what is perfection yeah, exactly what i think is a perfect performance has been perceived by shit yeah. from other people yeah and it's been perceived as decent to high quality or to middling mid as the kids would say 
we are never going to be in control of that outcome. So what I want to ask you now. Yeah. This stage in your life, this the career that you have as a performer, the career that you have as just a human, a civilian. What to you is the perfect balance of that? Would you rather be doing one than the other? What is that for you? Because my conversations with you have always struck me as like, this is a man that's pragmatic and puts family first and is never worried about how he looks in terms of an ego thing. Uh, yeah, that's... that's how much good, does that motivate you? No, it's to, a good question because I'm, I, uh, I, 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 li- I don't... I don't like a lot of change. I mm-hmm. like consistency. And I hate pennies. I'm all about quarters. <laughs> Keep going. I I just I like the known and that's part of why I love it. I love it here because I know Colorado. I have a lot mm. of friends here. All my family is here, except I've got some family in Vegas. But um, I, I love Colorado because I've found a, a rhythm and a routine that I can I can I manage a day job. Mm-hmm. But I need to soon depart from the day job because it's starting. I feel like it's breaking my body down because I walk around on concrete all day long. Yeah. And if I don't find a way to get away from that much time spent on my feet, then I feel like I'm just going to, my feet will just eventually, and my knees don't hurt yet, Mm. knock on wood, but my feet are starting to hurt me up here. (laughs) Um, So finding, finding that perfect balance also means I like having health insurance oh yeah isn't that nice <laughs> my i've always i've always quick. had it i've had my health insurance <laughs> since 2000 like nice that ability to to say yeah i work a fairly humdrum job with interactions with thieves i just had one today a thieving ass hoe this bitch gangster looking dude stole $780 worth of wire from Lowe's. Damn. And I don't want to, I'm tired of seeing that. It does, it puts a dent in my soul because it shows me that there's a side of life that I, that all of us would much rather avoid or not have to see, but this person was going to in sell. Need. In need. That's wire. In need. They're not stealing like They're money not, from a cashier. No. He somehow yeah. loaded up Two 500-foot rolls of Romex cable and a couple of rolls of regular Romex, which is like $78 a roll, mm. the regular. So you, you think $78 for a 50-foot roll. How did this dude get a hold of 500? He is pushing this cart down the main aisle as confident as the day he's getting married. He's just smi- all smiles. No cold feet. I didn't look in his eyes. I just noticed the cart. I noticed the dude who works the electrical department mm-hmm. following him. And that was when I listened to what this dude was saying. And he was pushing this cart, and he was looking over his shoulder, and he's saying, yeah, come on. Come on, motherfucker. Keep following me. 
keep coming, keep coming. At that point, I knew he was leaving no matter what. But the fact that my friend I work with was still following him, and we've seen training videos constantly that say, you cannot follow, let him go. You know, Dan, you got to let him go. Well, Paul, this guy Paul is following him about five feet behind. Mm -hmm. Finally, he gets all the way. I said, when's he? In my mind, I'm like, when's he going to stop? When's he going to stop following him? He's got to let him go at the entrance. This dude gets out the entrance. Finally, I yelled at him. I said, Paul. He turned. I said, come on. I said, come back. I said, you can't do anything. I said, our loss prevention guy's here right now. That guy's face is on every camera. Okay? So my car- career, my job, some people call it a career, whatever. Like Lowe's wants you to hire, get, they want you to work a career there. Retail yeah. is oftentimes like the last resort for so many people. It really is. Like if you go and apply at Lowe's, you're going to apply because you've already applied at McDonald's or whatever. Mm. And nothing to say about people who work at McDonald's or anything like that. I don't think you're making a commentary. I'm not making a commentary. It's just I've been there for so long because it's been so easy. It's so easy. It's an easy job. Yeah. So that balance that you're talking about, like I get to be plain and ordinary at Lowe's and get my paycheck and Mm -hmm. keep the roof over my head. Yeah. I get to do that because I know that at night I'm going to be this other extraordinary person. But I also, Lowe's immerses myself. It immerses myself. Is that how you say it? Yeah. It immerses myself in humanity. Mm. As an actor, you never get, you never get to study more than you get to study at a retail environment. Mm. No, because you get to talk to Rand, you get to talk to people all you want, Mm -hmm. all I ever want. I don't have to. Sometimes I'll walk up to someone and be like, how are you doing today? You're immediately having a conversation with a stranger. You're immediately in their energy. And I studied energies of, and, and behaviors of the people I work with because those are the people you see every day. Yeah. Just went up five four. Holy shit! Look at this. Abs. Abs up five four. Who got the Who got the Who got the fifth goal? Boos. Who's that? Nico Rantanen. Uh, how many minutes left? Four minutes and twenty seconds. Four minutes twenty seconds. All right. I, if we get a scream over there in the corner, I want it to be because. And of regulation, and the and the score has not changed in against us. Yeah. Okay, so fingers are crossed for that. Big ups to Ray Liotta. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. Been going oh. down a oh, poor, little, right. poor little, poor little, poor little Do you have any left in that cup there? Oh, you, I do. You want to have? Cup. You want to have a catch? Oh my God. I just want to get this on the record, and then I got one last question for Jason. All right. I'm watching Field of Dreams. I'm house sitting for friends, and it's on Amazon Prime. And we get to this moment with Ray Liotta and Kevin Costner on this baseball field, and they're talking about the game of baseball. And then Ray Liotta's character has a pause to the conversation. He just like he looks away, and he sees the foul line, and then his eyes do this this tracking thing where they're just like trying to take in the whole space the entire cornfield that's been destroyed to give him a baseball field to come back and play again. And he says the line, my God, I did love this game. And when I was a boy, I watched Field of Dreams every month for like five straight years. 
Every time me and my mom went to Blockbuster, Field of Dreams, if it was in stock, was more than likely being brought home with me. Wow. That and the original Batman with Michael Keaton. Can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. Did you not have a tape recorder? No. Oh, okay. No. So, I, and I, and I remember being a kid and liking the movie because it was about sports and I give a shit about sports and, and I didn't understand about all the rest of the relationships. I watched it a week ago. James Earl Jones is a national treasure. Whoa. Burt Lancaster was a national treasure. Those moments, Burt Lancaster talking about wrapping his arms around the bag, I could see it, the smile, the way his eyes light up, and it all became so much more important to me. And, and, it, 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 tick, and, and it was that moment that Ray Liotta has, before we even see James Earl Jones, before you see Burt Lancaster, before we get to the, the, the amazing, beautiful ending, and I'm not going to spoil that for you, but it's, it's, it's special, especially for a kid who never had a catch with his father, this guy right here. Ray Liotta saying, my God, I did love this game, is one of the most pure revelations I've ever seen an actor have in the moment. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's so... And there's something about the camera angle, too. Oh, it's so that, perfect. His the, eyes, yeah. the darkness that surrounding him, the fact that... And it's Ray Liotta's eyes. And it's Ray Liotta's eyes. And I was just, I'm, I, was, I watched that the day he passed away, and I was like, I missed that. That movie came out how many ever years ago as it came out, and I completely missed that moment. And it, and, and it, I want to say 92. And yeah, and I'm happy now that I understand it. Because if I watched it 10 years ago, I probably still would have missed that moment. I'm in this place in my life now where I'm like, so much of our life is a revelation to what the good old days were, like Wes Helms in The Office. I wish there was a way to know what the good old days were <laughs> while you're having the good old days. <laughs> it's such a sweet moment, right? Yeah. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's this funny little thing that you can watch on Instagram over and over again, and then it gets a whole bunch of likes because it's super, I don't know, meta or ironic oh, no, that's and, the thing. and not funny or, or not being liked for the right reasons. I'm sitting there going like, no, that's it. If smartphones continue to dominate the way they do, yeah. Hold on, I got a text. Keep talking though. Mm -hmm. The attention span will be too short mm. to where all that will be left is immersive theater. Yeah, because immersive theater allows people to check their phones. It allows people to kind of be themselves while a play is happening around them. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to pay attention, you don't really have to. No. It's it's one of those things where, and if you're grabbed and you're whisked away by somebody, if you're separated from your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever, mm -hmm. if if that stuff happens, then you're just along with the ride, but you still have your cell phone with you. But the attention span is so, it's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's the thing though. I, I, I'm, I love fantasy sports and fantasy sports keeps me tethered to my phone. When there's a pitcher going that I want to watch, I will pull out my phone and I'll look at what that pitcher is doing every 10 minutes or so. I want to make sure he's not blowing up. Find any, I don't want to make sure he's not eight earned runs. reason in the world to yeah. stay attached to our phones. Absolutely. Yeah. So This is coming from a guy that is, I know for a fact, I am effing addicted. 
I'm, a, I'm effing addicted. Yeah, I, I am will, too. I I'll am check too. the phone, put it down two seconds later. You're picking it back up. Uh, again. Why am Isn't I picking it? Up? Sad. The phone has some buzz. Because it's because we love our phone. Maybe I missed a text from that lady I've got a crush on. Yeah. Yes, Dan. No, there's a uh, there's some sort of scientific thing about you know getting the rush of uh, it's, yeah, endorphins, endorphins yeah. where you're just like, oh, is there something new? Is there something new? Yeah. Is there something new? No, oh, there is new. something new. Yeah. So like you're always, and yeah. even if it's it's why Facebook will give you a uh, a notification, and all it's like it's not a notification. It's just like, oh, we have another past memory to tell you. I but saw every time you open Facebook, no matter. When you last check it, there'll Listen, be a new... Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I saw the documentary on Netflix that has some local Denver actors in it. Um, Sean Michael Cummins, Christina Font- um, Fontaine, who was in Stick Fly over there at Arvada Center, who has been on this show, who is an amazing, talented artist. She was in this documentary about... I, th- I can't remember the title of it. No, it's no, on I, Netflix. I know what you're talking about. You're checking her phones. Yeah, I wanted... And all the stuff that we do or the, the things that companies do in order to make us addicted to those phones. Yeah. And it's like anything else that, that, that any company in, um, I would say, the world, I don't want to get necessarily specific and say America, but yeah, America. Um, anyway, these things that we do to, like, to be attracted to these things that keep us distracted and keep us um, controllable apes. Um, so that they can keep destroying the world around us and we won't really notice. Anyway, on that note. Yeah. No, Jason. no, it's good. It's good. No, it's good. The, the, our job as artists is to get people away from that escape and, those and show them that there's another distraction mm. that you actually learn from because mm. theater is learning. Absolutely. You're forced to feel something in the moment and then process it on the drive home. Maybe you stay up a little later and you mm-hmm. have a glass of something that, that helps you get your mind right. Or you stare out into the void yeah. trying to figure it out or it stays with you while you're sleeping and then you wake up a couple of days later and you, you finally make sense of what you saw. Don't you like, like it? Oh, that's why I felt what I felt. Doesn't it feel nice when you have someone who stays around who you've never met and they stay around and stay around and then you head out to the lobby or you walk into your car and they'll come and, hey, 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 you did so great. Because yeah. they they spent their time away from everything else that was going on to approach you and tell you. Because they had to process something. Yeah. They had to process. They, needed, the they needed to see you without yeah. your mask. They needed to encounter Sam Gilstrap as the person mm-hmm. and say to Sam, hey, I appreciate your artistry. You affected me. Keep, especially this moment here especially this moment they give yeah. you an example and keep going and that Absolutely. that's that it helps us keep going and it's the it is the antidote to cell phone addiction mm-hmm. absolutely real Jason. life real life in, encounters yeah theater is where you get real life encounters mm-hmm. you can have them people watching i know people watching is really intense i love people a lot watching. of fun everyone does everyone does there's not a lot of people that don't enjoy people watching mm-hmm. gets you off of your cell phone for a while but then guess what? What? You see something and you start to record. Yep. Then it gets you back on your yep. cell phone. Yep. Because the moment can't just exist in our, main, yeah. our brains anymore. It can't. Mm. That's nope. a shame. That's why there's no... My favorite thing to do is like, I'll go to a concert. I went to the Ben Harper concert last summer. I love Ben Harper. My friend Peter got me hooked up on him. We were at this concert and I took pictures for like the first half hour of the show. Yeah. And then there was still another hour of the show. And... After a half hour of like, I took like twelve pictures. I was like, okay, 
Put the phone away. Just be here for the concert. And that answers the question. And that you I have. was like, this is that that was the best. It became this really intimate performance. And I would have been like I always love it when people are trying to watch something happen as they're there and it's happening through the screen on their phone. Because they're worried about the shot that they've got for the what they're going to post later. As opposed to just putting the phone down That's the looking at the thing that's actually happening in front of them. It, I'm going to answer the question that you have. What's the, what's the ghost light? What's the ghost light? The ghost light that I want left on is being able to perform in something so well that it makes people forget about their phones for at least three hours. There you go. And just talk to whoever. How do you get there, Jason? How do I get there? How do you think you get there? I think it's got to be something behind a camera or behind a microphone. I want something that's... I want to be able to do something that, that lives on and it's because it's recorded. Because mm. live theater is so, I love it because it's so there. It's and snapshot. It's gone. Snapshot, it's gone. It's, it's something that causes one person or two people to whatever stay around and ask you later. But mm. movies do something else. Yeah. Like I want to be able to do something where people can get. It's, it's something immortal about it mm. where you're talking about Ray Liotta. Yeah. Even though he's gone, he's still there. Oh, yeah. You can just turn on the movie and... Watch Copland last night. Yeah. It's, yeah. There's something about it that makes you... It's what we live for as artists is to help people escape and help people learn about life. And that's what I, that's what I want to be able to do. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on, man. Of course, man. It's, it's been, been a long, long time, time in the making. Absolutely. We've always been busy. We're always doing things. It's because we're so good at what we do. <laughs> Brought to you by... The unofficial sponsors today were uh, Jameson, Jameson Irish Whiskey and Tree Shaker, the Tangerine IPA from Odell Brewing Company. The actor is Jason Maxwell. The shows are going to keep on coming. If you it, see him it, out there in the street... Congratulate him on the big next step that he's about to embark on his life, a wedding. This is as close as I could get to a, a bachelor party gift Thanks, because man. I'm broke as a joke, but I love you like a son of a bitch because we've been doing this together, whether we've been on the same stage or not, since I started. Yeah. And of course, my selfish brain goes like, that's the only time theaters ever existed. <laughs> <laughs> So with that being said, Jason, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Dan, what's the score? Oh, Avalanche just won in overtime. They literally just scored the overtime goal. <laughs> Six <laughs> to five. Yes. Oh, lecking in, assisted by Helm and Kale McCarr. Fucking sweet, baby. Woo! <laughs> literally, as you said, what's the score? It updated. That is amazing. Damn. Woo! Do the damn thing. Thank you all for joining us for this week's Denver Actors Fantasy Sports Podcast. I almost said a whole sentence without tripping over my own mouth. 
That's okay. We did like 20 minutes of sports fantasy talk right there. I know. Well, I mean, maybe we just add that on to the Just end. tack it at the end. <laughs> just tack it to the end. <laughs> it's like when I usually tack on like 10 seconds of yeah. some bullshit, but this yeah. time it's 20 it's minutes. 20 <laughs> minutes of fantasy baseball talk. <laughs> I ask you a question and you start to answer it and you're like worried about what the word the way it's gonna go. You don't think you can say something that you don't want out there, then you say Rubik's Cube and like I can just change the subject to yeah. be like, So what do you think about Dan having a fantasy baseball team that consists of nothing but Dodgers, especially we, after we, today's trade? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thank you for the trades, boys. You're you're welcome. No, no problem. I really wanted Samurai Joe, so I'm glad I got him. <sighs> yeah. yeah, man. I don't. I didn't see the Connor Joe for who? Um, Will Smith. I gave him Will Smith. Will Smith for Connor Joe. I just I, mean, I just dropped Connor Joe in my other league. I don't I don't think it's real. Yeah, I'm sure it's not. Sure, it's not sustainable. I'm sure by All Star break, all he'll be hurt or something. And, oh no, no, it's just. But I just want. I don't know Connor. if he can bat more than. It's just, some, it's just something I'm trying this year. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just, if you so you have. Bellinger, the thing is, I don't have, have Bellinger, Trey Turner. You don't have Freddie Freeman, do you? No, I don't have Betts or Freeman, so I don't have the two okay. that I. Those are the the two <laughs> that I should. Well, I didn't. I didn't decide the two that that, that you was. Yeah, I I didn't decide that this was my strategy until after the draft. Mm-hmm. So then I just started trading. But you only have so many good players to trade away for the other good players, yeah, and most true. people are not willing to uh, to trade for them. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, you probably will get those other two you talked about. But yeah, yeah, I got a bunch. I got a bunch <laughs> now. My entire pitching staff is Dodgers, other than two of my you don't three. Have Gonsolin. You want Gonsolin? Uh, I would love Gonzalez. We can talk about it. Yeah, just any any Dodger you got, I would. Uh, I, he was on the waiver wires. There's a couple players I picked up that were on the. I was surprised were on the waiver. But the 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 league is fairly deep. There's only eight teams. Yeah. Yeah. ALN, and NL. also, there's only like mm-hmm. four or five people in the league that are trying. Yeah. Right. I'm trying. Which is, which but is a, yeah. Like I'm on the outside looking in of trying. I I tried the first couple of years. I don't have the time to try this year. No. So it's really it's, fantasy yeah. baseball is tougher than fantasy anything else. It's true. You got to like you got to be looking every day. Yeah, you every be day making yeah. moves. That's why I listen to yeah. baseball fantasy mm-hmm. baseball podcasts. Yeah. at work. Yeah. They allow me to have a little earbud in. And That's great. It. That's oh, great. That's it. the way you got to do it. The first year I played, the first year we had it, I won that that year. I was listening to fantasy listening. advice, and yeah. oh, I'll pick this guy up. Uh-huh. Great, he went they off. Tell you, they, yeah. you know, Juan Soto was that was his rookie year, and yeah. I picked him up halfway through, and he went off that the last part of that. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. th- that's what you got to do. But I'm I'm just like I'm too busy this year, so I was like, yeah, I'll do this. But the only way I won't obsess over it is by doing something that forces me not to care so i'm like well sorry <laughs> i'm gonna just tra- no. get trade for all the dodgers and see how it goes <laughs> i mean they are an all-star team in and of themselves yeah it's you know it's like the first year i had basically all yankees a couple dodgers and then like two or th- like two uh two other players but i had like most of the yankees lineup well, and it was it the, worked it, them and the braves it's so funny because in the al it doesn't exist all that much even the yankees which everyone used to give shit about the yankees mm-hmm. and them being all of these teams that they're just being bought and that was you know with ricky henderson bernie williams daryl strawberry and all these and alex rodriguez and all these players that were coming to the yankees mm-hmm. were creating the super team and now 
all aside from Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge, which neither of those guys can actually stay healthy for an entire no, season. No, they can't. No. Then the Yankees aren't like that anymore. So then you have the, basically the only two teams in Major League Baseball that are like that, that are these super teams, yeah. are now the Braves and, and, and the freaking Dodgers. Yeah. And, and all of that's homegrown talent. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess the Phillies. In some respects, the Phillies. But they're so god awful defensively. You guys watch. It's like it's a sh- mm. it's a it's an absolute shit. I know show. that we and swept their outfield, them. Their outfield sucks. I know that we we were welcoming the Phillies to town, and they were like the worst team in the NL. And then they swept us, and I don't think any game ended with a run differential of less than five runs. Mm. We lost by more than five runs every game. And I guess the Phillies were no longer the worst team in the well, NL. The it's the guys who do the pod the people that do the podcast that's on mm-hmm. that I listen to play in like some of them have eight different teams. Oh my god. And they met, it's their life. And I don't know how they do it, but I do because they also spend a lot of money. And so you look at like some of these people, the, the amount of money they spend. I spent fifty bucks mm-hmm. in a twelve-team league, and I'm like, I really want to win this because it's 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 that kind of. There are people who get into twelve teams leagues, and the entry is twenty five hundred dollars, and suddenly mm-hmm. you're like, got to take this seriously. Take it so seriously, every single day, and they talk about how you can trade out players for series. Like they have a core group of players, and then there's certain players that are just totally expendable. So like when when the Braves visited mm-hmm. the, these are the Braves that are most available because the Braves are playing in Colorado and you know they're going to score a ton of runs. Yeah. So like go get Travis Darnode, go get William Contreras if he's available and literally these people that's their entire livelihood and life is just it, it, immersing the, the, immersing themselves in baseball. We do it with football too, but you immerse yourself in baseball. You figure out who to change out when and when to hold on to players that everyone's telling you to change out. And it's... I was doing that the year that I won, and it was, okay, you, you basically you look up who's available, and you see who this week they're going to play. And then you're like, oh, they're playing the worst pitching staff, and they're going up against a right-handed pitcher, when, you know, and he's... You know, mm. way better. You know, it was like I was learning who was better against righties and lefties yeah. and this, that, and the other bullshit. And cool. I would swap out my closers because if my closer was going to be in a game where there was a blowout, there was no way. So I'd swap it out for a lower level closer because there was a more there was a better chance that that closer was going to get a, a save. Yeah. I it's find like, it's crazy. Yeah. I find Marlins, that level. The Marlins closers. They're playing the Reds. Like I'd rather have the Marlins closer than the Reds closer. I just picked up Marlins um, Edwin Cabrera. That was a great. That's a great pickup. I was. I saw it. It came through the ESPN Fantasy Top Three to get, and he was the top guy. I was like, oh okay. Apparently, you should also get Cal Quantrell this weekend. Is he pitch? Cal Quantrell's pitching today. I think. Uh, yeah, I guess you wanted him for today's game. Hmm. Um, I find that level of fantasy dedication both. Like that's the life I would like like to live, but also extremely terrifying. Yeah. Like if I if I just had disposable income to be like, all right, I'm doing my fun, no, no pressure league, and then this one twenty five hundred dollar fantasy yeah. football league. Yeah. And I I spend every day listening to podcasts, looking at the waiver wire. I am up at five a.m. to make sure that I oh. got my pick. 
Well, I mean, at that like, point, I don't um, think I, I don't. I mean, my penis is just for show now. I can't imagine what would happen to it. Like you called it a grundle. It probably just turns into like a black dried up disc. Uh, it, 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 so, what happens is, is it uh, the same thing that happens to prunes? Oh no! Is it becomes it, a raisin. It becomes in a the plum sun? to a prune to just sort of a hanging piece of skin. Rough. Yeah, but I mean, it makes sense why people spend fifty, hundred, two hundred bucks on those uh, subscriptions that get them all the. Uh, high-end uh, statistics and the uh, you know it's like you don't actually have to do that much work if if you're paying twenty five hundred dollars in a league paying an extra two hundred oh, yeah. bucks for like three or four different professional opinions yeah. that just pop into your inbox every minute yeah. you know I I love analytics I do like I think I think it's really cool it's a great way to balance out gut gut opinions of certain situations like and i'm also old school so i think no i mean like i want to have daryl morey on the podcast i'll probably he's the gm of the philadelphia yeah. 76ers and i more than likely will get him on at some point that's incredible yeah be it's such a sweet score yeah and if i get him on i want to talk to him like for me i find a lot of the artistry of all work that we do comes from how it moves us right and so from a scout perspective, a fan perspective, I watch a player and like, like, this is how I feel about Connor Joe. He looks unique, okay? And because of that unique quality, I just kind of expect good things from him. Mm -hmm. When I first saw his name, I was like, I never trust a guy with two first names. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> that is your go-to uh, strategy. It, I mean, I'd never, <laughs> if you got two first names, I, no, no, no. If you got two last names, I'm probably going to have your child. Cause that's yeah. that's so random, but like I was so I was like I was kind of standoffish, and then he went on like a he's like on a he went on a tear. Yeah, he went on a tear like had like a ten game hit streak yeah. or something like that. Hit he a was, lead off home run. He was doing. Uh, I mean, he's cooled off. Yeah, this is why I dropped him. Oh yeah, I went and got Joey Votto because Joey Votto's heating up. Mm, that's great. See, and, and but he plays for the worst team in the bigs. He does, but he could get traded. That's the other thing. Well, he's gonna get traded to like the Yankees or the Dodgers. I don't know, but Dodgers don't need him. Dodgers don't need him. They don't have a Yankees. Do, do they have a DH position? Yankees don't yeah, need Justin him. Turner is basically playing DH. But this couldn't year. Justin move out to third base? If, if he goes, uh, no, they got. Uh, who the fuck do they have playing third base? Why does it? Well, it was Muncie. Oh, that's true. He's injured so, right now. Okay. Turner, so Eminem. because uh, they brought in Edwin Rios to play first mm. in, in DH, now he's hurt. Okay. Um, so they brought up. He was with the White Sox recently, right? Edwin Rios. There's a guy, Andres, Andres, someone, who they've got playing third when Justin Galarraga? Turner's not playing yeah. third. Yeah, I haven't watched a lot. See, that was the other thing. I was also watching a lot of baseball. But uh, to, to be honest, like the... What, it was the, the first year we did this, like the year before the pandemic too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, ESPN's got this really good, you know, chart where it just says previous 15, previous 30, and most added. That's what Fish and, watches all and the time. And I just, that list. like, if... If in the previous seven, you're at like a plus eight or something like that, oh, so scoop them up. Uh, or just trust everybody else that knows everything and see who's the hottest pickup right now. Scoop them up. It's the whole reason I, had, I went and got Garrett Whitlock. It's a dude that the, hosts the podcast, mm -hmm. is all about Whitlock. He loves him. I knew nothing about him, but I got him in both of the leagues I'm in. And when you watch him, he does. He just throws strikes, and they're 
he th- he's got a wicked slider and a wicked sinker and an awesome fastball. And he dots the corners of the strike zone. And you're like, so this guy, if he just does this the rest of the season, he's going to have a sub-3 ERA, he's going to have a good whip, and he's going to get a lot of strikeouts. And then last week, his last start, he went six innings, something like two earned runs, zero, or no earned runs, zero strikeouts. None. And I was like, what do you do then? Yeah. I don't know. Fantasy baseball is fun. But hey, we can talk about We can talk about that yeah. all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. we could. When, when we get off the pod, maybe. Thank you all for joining us for this week's Denver Actors Fantasy f- uh, Sports Podcast. I almost said a whole sentence without tripping over my own mouth. That's okay. We did like 20 minutes of sports fantasy talk right there. I know. Well, I mean, maybe we just add that on to the just end. Tack it at the <laughs> just tack it to the end. <laughs> it's like when I usually tack on like 10 seconds of yeah. some bullshit, but this yeah. time it's 20 it's minutes. 20 <laughs> minutes of fantasy baseball talk? Yeah. Well, before we go, uh, before we go, who's your favorite player on your fantasy team? Go. Well, my favorite player is Garrett Whitlock. Dan, who's your favorite player on your fantasy team? Tormund. Tormund? Justin Turner. Justin Turman. Justin Tormund. Justin Tormund. Tormund Giants Bane. <laughs> Giants Bane. Uh, my favorite guy on my fantasy team has yet to play an inning, and that's Fernando Tatis. Uh, yeah, you did scoop him up. Yeah, I was like, I know he's going to play after 60 games Mr. off. Mr. Kawasaki. Mr. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Um, let's go, Fernando. Please don't come back and suck. He won't. I hope not. Come All back. Right. Yeah, just, just come back.